and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have much to report. I do want to say this. Oh, I know uh, you have an ad I to do. get to. Yeah. Um, and I also want to mention, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago when Matt was on, and thanks to Matt Gorley. I don't know if we said that last week. No, I don't think we did, yes. Um, but, I wasn't too uh, thrilled with him being here, <laughs> so that's why I didn't thank him. Um, so thanks to Matt Gorley. We also want to mention, yeah, we have the sponsorships, and that's uh, fantastic, but we are trying to sort of uh, fund our trip to Comic-Con, yeah. to San Diego Comic-Con this year. And we're not just asking you to hand us money, although you can do you can go to the donate button, and you can do that if you, you want have, to just give yes, us money. That is an but option. there are also options where you can, uh, for $10, you can get our first 40 episodes, which mm-hmm. are not in the in the feed. You can also buy either one of our, um, or both of our premium episodes, uh, one with comedian Bill Dwyer, and then one uh, where we go through the... Year in Movies 2007, yes. which was uh, a great year in movies and also the year the Battleship Pretension started. Yeah. So um, those are it, – it, it really, we are – you know, Comic-Con is a big thing and with my planning the wedding and everything this year that I'm uh, – my wedding. Uh, Tyler's my best man. I don't know if I've ever said that on the podcast Woo. before. Um, but uh, money's a little tight, so uh, it would help us to uh, to get to, to Comic-Con and, and bring you the Comic-Con coverage that we have brought you – that I have brought you since – 2009 uh if you could uh help us out with those things but again when i just ask you to give us money again you can do that if you want yes but there are things you can get in return for yes. giving us money but we uh our sponsor i'll tell you somebody who has who's already given us money and we appreciate it a great deal and and i actually it's another podcast and it's one that i actually recommend i enjoy the work that they do so here we go david are you listening yeah okay here we go this episode is brought to you by the Double Feature Podcast, which, com- which compares and contrasts two different films every week. This week, they wallow in vice with a discussion of Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls and Peter, G- Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. All right. In this episode, they talk about... shower after that episode. Oh, no question about it. In this episode, they talk about the dreaded NC-17 rating and the way audiences tend to boil a movie down to a single idea. They also discuss Peter Jackson, now the purveyor of wholesome Hollywood entertainment, and his early love of filth. Is it wholesome? I think so. Look, the new, Look the I new realize Hobbit there's a lot movies, of decapitations. The, no, the new Hobbit movies have one character, he's been in both of them, who has bird shit crusted all over the side of his face. All right. <laughs> like, that's, I don't know if that's considered wholesome. Yeah, it's but it's not pleasant for me to look at. Well, it's not. It's not even pleasant for me to hear about from you. Uh, have you not seen the movies? I have, and I and I and I forget about that. And now you've reminded me. And that, but it's, oh, but it's like a goof. It, when you see it in high frame rate three D. Fair enough. It's coming right at the you. bird shit really pops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I th- I still think like they're movies that kids can go and see. They cannot sure, see sure. Meet the Feebles. Like that is apparently just. A, I've never seen. It. I've heard it's wonderful. For adult audiences uh, with a uh, very uh, open sense of humor is what I've heard. But uh, but yeah, so if you want to hear that episode about Showgirls and Meet the Feebles, which sounds like a delightful episode, uh, to hear that, you can go to DoubleFeatureShow.com or you can just click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com. So um, let's not waste any more time. We have a guest here. Right. A return guest for you, a Mm -hmm. first time guest for me. That's right. Why don't you... uh, Introduce one to the podcast. Absolutely. The second time for you, first time for me. It has been uh, a number of years since he's been on, and when he was on, David, you were not feeling well, and so we pulled in, at the very last minute, we pulled in front of the show, Jason Aiken, to fit uh, to uh, fill in for you, David. How'd he do? 
Uh, right, right. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Not great. The, the guest is agreeing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but so we decided, uh, I'll give, I'll give a little bit of backstory. There you go. Um, the other day, okay, so Don't I was- do the reason- thing you did with Matt Gorley. Where you say his name up top and then do the... No, the I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> that's a big um, stumble. That's that's a big no-no. So... You wait the, till the end to say the name. Man, apparently that was just More a big... More traumatic. That Matt Gorley episode was just a huge misstep, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so uh, so I was recently on the Auteur cast talking about the film Dick Tracy, a film that I absolutely love, and I talked about, among other things, the wonderful makeup. And then I realized we've never talking about uh, talking. We've sorry, we've never spoken about makeup on this show. And I said, "Hey, let's do that." And you said, "Sounds good." Who's the guest? And I, and I thought, "Oh, I, I just thought the two of us would say it." And uh, anytime. Listeners, here's a peek behind the curtain. Uh, if ever we have uh, a guest of a certain kind, it's it might be, not always, but it might be because neither of us feel like we have the authority to talk about the thing we're discussing. Very much. Some would just avoid talking about it at all. Not us. We just choose to throw, bring in a guest and throw to them. But, uh, but yeah, so you said, who's the guest? And I thought, well, I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. And then, David, you said, well, what about Doug Jones? Because I've been waiting years to Indeed. meet the guy. And, and so you've just been looking for your in for the last yeah, that's several all, that's years. that's all it was. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> gosh, I hope Doug's got stuff to say about makeup. And so I thought, I, I feel like he might have an opinion or two. And so I thought, that is a great idea. He hasn't been on in years. I saw him at Comic-Con last year. Let's make this happen. And now he's here. It's Doug Jones. Doug, how are you? Oh, that was the best introduction ever. <laughs> and and I, 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 I'm going to agree with you. I, I hope I know something about makeup, too. I have no <laughs> idea. Well, I know about wearing it. I don't know. Uh, but here, here, here's what I don't know much about is uh, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not an encyclopedia of movies like you two are. So I, I can't, really I can't drop like You know that one creature, that one thing. I may not have seen it. That's, that's, that is the bottom line on that. I've been that's a lot it. of them. I can talk about the ones I've been. You know, yeah. I can talk about makeup uh, 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 in general and techniques and things. And I was even a guy. I was even a guest judge on Face Off for crying out loud. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I was I, this past season. I have heard I should watch that show. I yeah, you know what? If you if you if if the if the creature effects makeup thing intrigues you, mm-hmm. uh, if the process does, and and, or, and what comes out of minds of the sick minds of, of makeup artists, that's a great show to watch because they they're given an assignment and three days later they have to present in front of judges. That's a, that's an incredibly small sh- window of time to have do you, that in. So Have you watched, there's another show, it's a kind of a tongue twister for me, Jim Henson's Creature, Creature Shop, Shop Challenge. Challenge. I have seen, I have, no, I've, I've heard of it. That one I've, I've watched. I've not seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a yeah. sim- similar thing. It's right. amazing, the, the, yeah. the turnaround. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Now, before we get into the uh, the topic proper, mm. uh, there is something that, just real quick that I wanted to to mention. Uh, we do try to talk about when when certain people pass away that we feel like had a certain uh, impact on us as movie watchers and uh, mm. lovers of uh, arts in general. And H.R. Uh, Giger just passed away this week. And he was much younger than I thought he was. He was only like 73, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for a number of reasons, it hit me, partially because last year, li- listeners know that I went to Switzerland and Jen and I found ourselves in Gruyere, which I didn't, I think that's his hometown, based on the horrifying museum there Uh um it seems to be and i didn't know the museum was there i was super thrilled you go inside and it's just you know some of them are original props that he designed there's there are four you know full-scale replicas of the alien which i think i i think i said at the time that i was standing looking at this thing behind glass 
and it's just standing towering over me. And I just thought, now I know objectively that this <laughs> thing is not going to attack me. However, however, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to walk away now. Okay. And so, and so it was just, uh, and then there's actually a room where now ostensibly kids are allowed into this thing. I don't know what kid is going to go in, but there is a room <laughs> that kids are not allowed in mm. where as though his stuff wasn't like phallic and other things enough. Apparently he was being really subtle with his other designs. <laughs> oh. You go into this room. It's like, Oh, there it's all here. Okay. <laughs> it's all okay. just right here. Um, but that's the thing. And so his stuff is, is one could say ugly, but of course also beautiful at the same time. And what's more, it's all remarkably personal. And that's the thing that gets me is because you look at the intricacies of what he did and just how strange it is. And you, I feel like we all have a certain idea of what counts as personal art. And I think we would look at that and say like, oh, clearly he's got some issues, you know, like we make <laughs> those kinds of jokes. But uh, but when you actually go through the museum and you see the stuff that he really just devoted his life to creating, you realize he really seemed to want to figure some things out uh, through his art. And that was amazing to see. And then, of course, uh, his contribution to the movie Alien. First off, I'm not a huge Ridley Scott fan anymore, but the fact that he that he looked at the script for Alien and said you know what, who we need to get to create this living nightmare is well, this, this guy, H.R. Giger. I don't know if you, if you, you saw the recent documentary on uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, the hmm. Dune movie that never got made. But um, Oh, a yeah. newer Dune? No, it's uh, before Dune was, before David Lynch made Dune, Alejandro, Alejandro Jodorowsky spent years developing it. Did and then, not know that. And never got oh. the um, funding for it. And they made a whole documentary about... Uh, what that would have been, the, the, yeah, oh. the, it not being made, and so the real it's it wasn't really uh, it was um, Dan O'Bannon who was mm-hmm. one of the writers of Alien was also involved with this Dune that never happened, and so was H.R. Giger. Hmm. That's where the connection hmm. initially came. Oh in. man, what what must those sandworms have looked like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you should see uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. I've heard great but, things about it. Um, the uh, the thing to uh, I mean, I don't want to go too. I mean, you said great things about his art. I just know uh, because of Alien, just because of movies, H.R. Giger was maybe the first like contemporary artist whose name I knew, even as mm-hmm. a like 14 year old, you know, when I was, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously I knew the artists of who make movies, but as far as, I don't know, art, art, <laughs> like fine art or whatever, <laughs> because I was a movie fan, I knew who H.R. Giger was um, before I knew. Uh, yeah. And I still don't know that much about modern art or contemporary mm-hmm. art. And let, let me ask you this. Does it seem to you a good thing or a bad thing that his contribution to, to the Alien series, because that's the thing, it obviously directly it's just the first one, but that set the standard for every movie to come oh, after. Sure. And uh, the whole just oh, the world of Alien from Jodorowsky's Dune. There are there are things in Prometheus that are based on the things that he designed for Dune. Mm. Oh, interesting! That I didn't know. That's yeah. interesting. Um, and but do you think because that is his? For the vast majority of people, that's his legacy. They may not know that he's the one that created it, but he has created he created something mm-hmm. that is going to last. Now, admittedly. You know, when you see the stuff, you realize, well, he he did tons of stuff before and after. He did not say, I'm the guy that did Alien. I'm done. Like, yeah. he, he just kept working. But, of course, 
this one thing and is he what in he'll other be... movies. I yeah, mean, he yeah. was involved in Species, I want to say. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. And we saw, I saw I some saw of those, that. and uh, that was creepy to see as well. Um, but do you think it is a uh, a good thing or a bad thing, or just kind a, of whatever? I think it's a good thing. Uh, okay. We should maybe ask our guest, but I think it's a good thing sure. because it was still him. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like some compromised or softened version of his work. It's still his work, yeah. and it got to... He got his vision to more people because of the movies. I'm, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm, I think it's a good thing. What do Always you think, a good Doug? thing. Yes, I think uh, any, any medium an artist can be seen in is a good thing mm-hmm. because most artists, uh, most artists, uh, never get a public platform to do it from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, yes, if it takes a movie, great. And if his if his artwork was mu- used in the first movie and the franchise went on from there without him, he, like you said, he set the standard and um, and he he created a, a creature that uh, that gave us all nightmares in the willies and and was an alien we had never seen before in any film before it was a design that had never been done before uh you know and my, my friend tom woodruff jr was uh, was operating the uh, the um alien uh, costume uh, as an actor from inside of it uh so so what an honor that, that was for him too to to have taken on such a unique and groundbreaking design so yeah no I, I, all good all good yeah and it's yeah and so uh so i wanted to mention that briefly because you know it's obvious i mean People talk about actors. They talk about directors, writers, mm-hmm. cinematographers. I mean, we talk about a number of things, uh, but it never hurts to bring up just artists. Like mm-hmm. he didn't even work primarily in film, but his contribution to film is one that deserves to be remembered by film people. I will tell you that every 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 character that I get to play when I'm when I'm presented with uh, you know ca- being cast as a creature in film X Y Z. Uh, the first thing I want to look at is the conceptual design. I mm-hmm. want to see that artist's work to see, like, you know, what what is the creature effects makeup team getting to create the the rubber bits on that are going to go mm-hmm. on me? What uh, what does what's the artist's concept? And and that that in conjunction with the script I just read will give me a lot of information that uh, that I wouldn't get just from slipping a rubber costume on. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and so and to and to look at uh, all of his. To watch the evolution of the mm-hmm. alien, like seeing all the sketches in the museum, mm. and a lot of those are available online. You can you can find them pretty easily. But um, for the most part, the alien arrived in his imagination fully formed. But there's a couple things here and there that he was tinkering with, and to see that process, uh, I feel like I don't know. After a while, you kind of wonder. Like Ridley Scott seemed to say, "I want this guy," and then looked at his sketches and said. I now have a better idea for the general tone, emotional tone of the film mm-hmm. based on the the look, not merely of the alien, but also the ship and the, the you know, I don't know what you call it, like the the space jockey and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, in the crashed ship. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, I just wanted to, to mention that. Uh, but we do need to move on to the, the actual topic, which actually does play into this pretty well. But, but, before, quick, but before we do that. Yes, I want to mention tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality uh, earbuds in a variety of uh, colors and styles at a low, low price. And they really are these styles. They are stylish. They're yeah. sharp. Um, we use them. We love them. Uh, tweakedaudio.com. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get uh, one third off and uh, no shipping charges uh, mm. on all their items. So that go to, and again that will help us we see some of that so that'll help us get to comic-con indeed uh, yes. so that that's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension so let's get into it shall we indeed all right makeup well i wanted to uh, you know uh, <laughs> i'm just sitting the table david now edge yeah <laughs> here's a, i know the idea is this is like a 
episode of Battleship Retention with the topic, and we're talking about the topic. But I wasn't here the last time Doug was on, so I want to like yeah. I, I didn't get to do the interviewee stuff. You do whatever okay. you want, but I want to. Dra- okay. I want to drag it. I want to. Uh, but so, uh, <laughs> but I want to keep it related to the topic. Um, and so I was wondering, you were talking about looking at the conceptual design. Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent do uh, I mean? Do, do you do you find that you get cast based on the conceptual design, or do you find that once you've been cast, now that you have a reputa- reputation, that the the conceptual design, be it costume or makeup or or whatever, uh, does it transform to fit you? Mm. Mm, mostly the conceptual design looks something like Doug Jones yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in shape and, 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 uh, and, and position and body language perhaps. But is that because it was drawn with you in mind? Not always. Some, some have, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, but Abe Sapien was a surprise. That, that was something where the conceptual design you know, turned into a maquette sculpture that turned into Guillermo del Toro coming into the room and saying, oh, it's beautiful. I'm so fat. That's what he, <laughs> that's what he said, which, which, meant, which meant what a beautiful, uh, thin creature. And uh, the conceptual artist uh, uh, who, who sculpted, I'm sorry, the, the conceptual artist who came up with it, Steve Wang, was in the room, uh, and so was uh, sculptor Jose Fernandez and shop owner, uh, the run who, run who runs Spectral Motion, Michael Zaldi. All three of them had worked with me before, and all three of them said, you know, who should play this part is Doug Jones. And Guillermo said, Doug Jones, I know Doug Jones. So uh, he pulled my card out of his wallet because I gave it to him on Mimic five years before that. So uh, that kind of came about, and because it, the because the sculpture looked something like something I would play, and people who knew me and knew my reputation then were the ones who who married us up together. Um, otherwise, uh, but like um, for instance, the, the 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 Pan's Labyrinth, the Fawn, and the Pale Man. Guillermo, now that he knows me, and we've already done a couple movies together, when he was prepping Pan's Labyrinth and sketching in his own little book, you know that that famous book of his that's now been turned into. What is it? Hey, there's a hardback, a hardcover uh, coffee table size book out there called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Hmm. Uh, you can get that on the Amazon, I'm sure. Uh, but in there is, is a whole bunch. It's a, it's an expose of his personal notebook that he carries around with him always. Uh, and he sketches in it, writes notes down, and that's where his his movie ideas come from. It's like this. It's like the 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 book, the leather bound sickness that that is that is his mind. Um, so uh, in there, you'll find. Uh, Pale Man sketches, Fawn sketches, uh, and he did do that with me in mind. Yes, mm. uh, so so yeah, so it, it's been a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Have other, I mean, since uh, have, have other has have more directors since now designed with you in mind and then said, like I already designed that. Or directors or conceptual artists, they come to you and say, hey, I already designed designed this thing as a way of enticing you into the movie. Do they? Oh uh, y- yes, I do get that occasionally um, on a smaller scale, especially indies and you know. Uh, uh, a lower budget film where they where they might be trying to woo me in with like yeah, look what we designed for you. <laughs> is it uh, flattering or is it like oh, I no, guess no. I better do this now? They went all, they went all the trouble. <laughs> of course, of course, no, it is flattering, but but uh, you know, but I'll still I, not just the creature itself. I need to look at the whole story he's playing in. Is it something I want? Is it a story I want to help tell? You know, mm-hmm. that's that's got to be number one. Uh, then is is it a character that I that I'm that is suited for me and that 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 does play into the story in a way that I would that I want to help with. And, um, you know, where, where's, where's it all going? Where, where, uh, I'm all about the story really now. And, and, and in my, in my old age, I can be more picky now too. So I, I don't have to say yes, if they're paying, you know, uh, where I did used to have to. So, uh, but, uh, I guess to, to bring it back to, to makeup, um, how much of, uh, how, how much of the creature, how much of your performance as whatever you're playing is informed by mm. the costume versus the makeup? 
No, so much. Uh, well, and how much overlap? What's the Venn diagram well, like there? Co- costume and makeup, I, I count as one thing when it's creature effects, um, mm-hmm. because that does come all from the same department. For the one department, head, um, you know, dons you from head to toe. <laughs> so, um, uh, but you know, most actors they, they go through hair and makeup, then a different costume department will put their clothes on. In this case, you know, they have a, those conceptual designs it usually involve creature skin that goes all the way down, and if there's costume that costuming that needs to be designed around that or over that they usually have in-house people that take care of that the fabricators will, will do that um or they'll work or they'll work they'll work in concert with a, a costume department but it still has to kind of be you know thumbs up by the creature effects people they really are the the ones who, who have control over my look so um as far as what uh, uh you know uh, what is informed like, for instance, with Pan's Labyrinth, let's use that as an example again. Uh, the fawn character with those big ram horns on the head and long finger extensions, uh, something as simple as that, uh, th- those, are, those are two like obvious choices. Uh, a tilt of the head means so much <clears throat> when you've got those big horns that, that widen your whole birth, you know. Right. And, uh, and a flick of the arm or, or, a, or a, 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 a tap on the nose with a finger is much broader and bigger when you've got finger extensions on that make, you know, with tree branch sort of looking edges to it. Uh, so, so something like that will, I'll have a, an idea in my mind on how I'm going to move or walk or, or lunge or, or crawl through, through a movie. But once I get that design on me, on my person, then yes, then all sorts of things are informed. Uh, capabilities you didn't know you had, like, like again, extended reach or, or more pronounced uh, movement because of, of an extension on you somewhere or stilts that you're seven feet tall now. And so you, you have to clump around and have an, a whole different leg shape to you uh, or uh, limitations too. I thought I could have moved my arm all the way up to the ceiling, but now I can only move it to the, to the bookcase um, because of a constrictive something that, that's not allowing me to do that. So I, I will have to alter and the ecosystem of this character based on what limitations I've been given by the costume makeup. Uh, what about what about limitations? You mentioned um, before some, the, that you were friends with the person inside the alien costume. That mm-hmm. person's face is completely obscured. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of your roles, you're using your face. Yeah. Uh, to what extent does makeup inhibit your ability to use your face or inform again inform your performance? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, in a case like um, like like the the Hush episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that was probably one of the more human looking things I've been. Uh, I was I was one of the I was the lead gentleman in, in that hush episode. Oh, I know all about. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, that's because I believe Doug, Doug. The last time you were on, David was sick, but I think you sent me a question to ask oh, specifically, specifically about that. about Buffy yeah. the Vampire. Buffy is my favorite show. Ah, of all okay, time, okay, so, okay, yeah, okay. So. I'm sorry. I oh, good, good. Go no, that's good. Good. That's well, I'm very complimented. Um, so uh, that was you know basically a, a skin bald headed, wrinkly, old looking, pale faced. Uh, but but the, but the the mask went all around our mouths. We used our own nostrils, our own eye sockets, uh, and with contact lenses in my own eyeballs. So so that that was the most that was one of the more me looking creatures I've played. Um, so uh, so that and that that face responded very well to all my facial movement. Um, Another, but the uh, the opposite extreme would be something like The Watch with Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill. Oh, I yeah. was I was the lead right. alien bad guy that invaded their neighborhood. That's right. That was a mechanical faced alien, much like Alien from uh, that we were that we were just <laughs> discussing, uh, designed and, and and put on me by the Legacy Effects people who were the Stan Winston uh, Legacy. So. Uh, 
<clears throat> that costume was arm extensions that were mechanically puppeteered because I, could, because I couldn't reach the fingers inside the arms, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a mechanical face that was over me that, you know, very heavy on the bridge of my nose because a lot of motors and things built into the face. Um, and uh, so that pops on faster. You're, you're in costume in a half hour as opposed to a glued-on makeup that takes right. four hours, five hours to get make. But make how long can you stay in the, the alien? Less the time, watch. exactly. Yeah. Uh, you, you, it goes on in a half hour, but you cannot wear it all day because you will die. So, uh, you know, there, there's the trade-off. When the, while the camera's rolling, you're much more comfortable in a glued-on makeup. Uh, but when the camera's rolling on a, on a you know, mechanical face costume, it's 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 there's weight, there's there's things poking, there's there's awkward uh, movement <laughs> can be, but um, but uh, but you can take it off at the end of the take, and you know, uh, and for lunchtime you can have your own hands and face free again. <laughs> so that's great. Um, but, uh, but then there's the, then there's the hybrid between the two. Uh, let's go back to Pan's Labyrinth, which is the Oscar winning, uh, example I have to give you, <laughs> which would be the, the fawn character. Uh, the bottom half of the face was glued on to my own face and neck. And so I t- did my own talking with my own mouth uh, in Espanol. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, then the top half of the face was mechanical because the eyes were kind of wide set and, and, uh, uh, you know, there were goat eyes. And, uh, so they, they were. They were in a place in the face where my eyes weren't. Therefore, they had to be mechanically uh, look around. They had uh, mechanical movement and mechanical uh, squinting and, and eyebrow movement that was puppeteered by people off camera. And so the, the face had to be built up enough to leave room for those gears and battery packs and all that kind of thing in the top half of my head. So that was a, a good concert of puppeteers and me working together uh, to make this happen. And now another example now is the current show that I'm on, uh, falling skies on TNT. I'm going to do the, here's the, here comes your plug All right. <laughs> Sunday night, starting June 22nd at 10 o'clock on TNT falling skies season four. Okay. So season four. Wow. Season four. I, know, it's been on I, that I, I know I joined the show last year for season three and, uh, my character Cochise, the good alien I'm the Vol- of the Volm race. I've come to earth to help the humans fight back the bad aliens, the Ishveni, the bad Ishveni. Oh, so now my makeup, but was, now, I mean, are you guys the good aliens? Because mm-hmm. now that you... Yeah, are you trying to trick us or what? No, because I'm well, saying you're... in the finale, you said, kind of said to the humans, like, all right, you guys are done now. We're going to go relocate you to Brazil or whatever And yet, it was. but at the very, very end of that finale, <laughs> I gave them their guns back and said, all right, get out of here. Go, go. But, but yeah, save yourselves, but That's don't be stupid. But that was just you. That wasn't... Well, but then my father, my father, the Volm, my dad, the Volm came into the scene with me and and watched them go off with me saying, you know, they're not going to last a day. And I'm like, I father, but they have to do this. This is taken on Star Trek convention. Yeah, that's awesome. But I'm glad. I mean, he's he's precious that he knows the show. Thank you. Uh, So, no. So at the very end of the show, we, we proved ourselves to be like, you know, like watchdogs trying to help the humans. Now, you still don't know our motivation behind all that. And I think as the show, the arc of the entire series comes to a, a head, um, and I don't know when that's going to be, perhaps at the end of season five, I don't know. Uh, but we, uh, you, you'll find out why the Volm are going to this much extent to travel this far to help Earthlings fight back the Ishveni. Uh, and that's even an answer I don't know yet. But, so... The makeup involved, yes. <laughs> Back on topic, Doug, uh, is, uh, uh, was created by Masters Effects. Todd Masters is a friend of mine from way back. Yeah, we worked together on the Mac Tonight campaign back in the early days when I was the moonhead for McDonald's. Um, uh, he got a hold of me uh, last two, two summers ago and said, hey, we're, I don't know if you know the show Falling Skies, but we're designing this new alien, and would you want to do it? I'm like, oh, I'm a fan of the show. I would love to. Ah! So I screamed and jumped around. 
And uh, so then, of course, the conceptual drawings went from a bit bulkier down to a, little, a thinner fella. <laughs> uh, so they, they kind of altered it for me. Uh, but, but everybody was very happy to, uh, to have me on board, and I was very happy to go on board. So uh, that was a very quick negotiation that happened. And I was up in Vancouver within days um, filming season three. Uh, so... Uh, but what this is a this is a combo platter of of uh, practical effects and after uh, visual after effects digitally enhancing and that's that's what you're seeing more of now with makeup than ever before is the digital enhancements um, uh, because re- full on replacements audiences will see it and know it and, and they'll think they're watching a video game and it doesn't really read as true with weight and and personality as much as 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 a as an actor on set will do for you. So the hybrid is is something like we're doing with with uh, with uh, Cochise on Falling Skies, where I walk out of my makeup trailer looking completely like Cochise. The full mask and colors are all done. The costume is all on. So the other actors have something to re- react to, and you have something to film that is re- camera ready. Uh, what happens though? Uh, in again on Cochise, the eyes are wide set and a little bit above my own, so they're they're glued into the mask. These these eyeballs that are just like looking straight forward all day, not <laughs> blinking. Right. <laughs> so when people talk to me, they're kind of freaked out because they look at my big yellow eyes, going, "Um, do you ever blink?" <laughs> uh, so, but I'm because I'm peering at them through the little little vents through, around the nose area of the mask design. So. Uh, in post production, they make those eyes uh, digitally look around, blink, and eyebrows express uh, and squint, and the whole thing. Uh, and then my upper lip also is very; the rubber is just thick enough over my upper lip that I, when I try to form my words, I have to really accentuate them a lot, and uh, and and the mask just doesn't respond because the rubber is thick enough that it it can't. Uh, so in post production, they do they do make that that upper lip uh, help form words visually for it as well. So that's a great marriage of the two technologies, you know, uh, the practical effects, old school, and visual effects, new school. Um, so you're seeing more and more of that. Uh, Silver Surfer, another example. When I mm-hmm. I wore a complete mask, costume, makeup that glued together. It was glued to my entire body from head to toe, and I looked hot. Okay. <laughs> Best body I've ever had and most handsome I've ever been. And um, so, again, I walked out of my trailer looking like the Silver Surfer every day. Uh, but then they would put a CG coating over me in post-production. That was Weta Digital that did that. Um, so um, so it was uh, it looked beautiful. And but, but when I lost my power and got tarnished, they just took the CG coating away, and I was wearing a, a tarnished colored uh, mask makeup costume that um that would that sold on camera so i only had to cg hmm. over the blue in my eyes and they were ready to go so uh so that's another nice marriage of the two technologies and, and uh, the, the fun thing about falling skies too uh, uh the nice thing is that masters effects created the makeup that i w- that i'm wearing there and that same company masters effects is also doing the the visual effects in, uh, in post-production that's a rarity for the same oh, thing wow. to be under one one roof so because a lot of times uh, uh, you'll find you'll see CG enhancements that are a bit over uh, where the expression it's expressing a bit more than it should uh, more than would be natural um, because because they're they're flexing their their technology muscles going look yeah. look what we can do with this with CG whereas masters effects doesn't want to obliterate and ruin the makeup design that they came up with so they're, they're they use such subtlety and and they follow exactly the performance that I gave so they really do work in concert with me really really beautifully I'm very proud of them for what they've what they've accomplished there. You know, I've never I've never been somebody that just talks about how CG is just a terrible thing. Um, right. I think no, it's when not. used well, yeah. it can be great. Absolutely. But there are times when it's just like, wow, if you had done like for example, a movie that David and I both really enjoy is called I Am Legend. Yes. 
Um, there's absolutely – I understand that the zombie vampire or whatever they are. I don't remember what, exactly what they are considered in that film. Mm-hmm. But um, monsters. We can say monsters. That's pretty good. Okay. Sure. Um, they Occasionally, they're more athletic mm-hmm. than an like actual could person. Do. Right. But by and large, there's no reason that that didn't that that couldn't have been a practical makeup effect. And the fact that it wasn't, and I'm not sure if the technology was quite there yet, CG, not, yeah. and it just and it just rang so false. And I think that's one of the reasons why the last part of that film just yeah, didn't work. I for think me. that movie's a masterpiece for about 60 minutes. And yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think yeah, I don't know if it was C- CGI that wasn't. I think motion capture in general. There were certain, maybe that was it. Yeah, certain elements of Hollywood were kind of. Maybe uh, pushing motion capture before it was uh, time. Time, <laughs> but then you had people like Peter Jackson, who I mean, Gollum is brilliant, and yeah. and that was years before I yeah. Legend and before Beowulf, and right, uh, that's right. great. He clearly knew what to do with it. You mm-hmm. know, it's yeah. sort of like with the CG thing. You look at Jurassic Park and movies that came out 15 years after Jurassic Park don't have CG that's as good as Jurassic yeah. Park. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. directors just p- apparently get it. But I, yeah, I do think there was, and I think it's died down a little bit, or maybe it's just gotten better a little bit, but there was a push uh, for motion capture. I know I was a, uh, we're getting off topic here, but I was a PA on Beowulf, and I know mm-hmm. listening in on conversations, there was a lot of excitement on the half, on the behalf of sort of, producers and like the money Mm. people about motion capture because the idea being if a director goes and makes something that we don't like we can change it as Uh, opposed to uh, if it's real things committed to film it's not as easy to change right right uh and so i think that that might might have been part of the reason why motion capture was being pushed so much in the sort of mid to late 2000 aughts yeah uh i don't know that's just my that's my experience yeah, as an uh, eavesdropper and, on the Beowulf set. And Beowulf was it was an interesting concept, but it, it would, but I don't think all movies are going to be replacing actors like that, you know, yeah. digitally. It it, were, it it was interesting to watch as a, as a novelty, but I, I don't think every and movie they, could play like that. And I think they seem to have already moved away from that. Like that's something that yeah. Zemeckis did, like th- I believe three times in a row. He did Polar Express, Beowulf, mm. and then uh, Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. It looked best in Christmas Carol, but I think after a while, I think he got tired of it, and I think people in general just got tired of it. I think there is something to be said for having actual act either either do the actual actor thing or just make an animated film. It's it, either right. one's pick fine. a team and play. Right. <laughs> but you know, we we go to the mall because we like to sit and watch other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so if, if if those people were were rendered by by an artist instead of real people, we would lose interest in going to the mall. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I, I people like to watch other people. Period. Now David mentioned uh, the character of Gollum, which leads to a question: mm. When you're walking down the street and you see Andy Andy Circus across the street, and <laughs> right. you guys lock eyes, right? Do you just like narrow your eyes? Tumbleweeds uh-huh. <laughs> go by, and yeah. you hear ooh. Yeah. Down, there's, a, down. there's only room. Why don't you get back to yeah. wherever it is he came from? I don't remember, but uh, I think it was, is interesting. What, like the two of you, he's English. I think he's British. No, is he, he's there now and in, in Great Britain now. But okay, uh, no, never a rivalry. Do you know? I get okay. asked this. All the time, as you can well, imagine. I don't, I don't literally believe that there is yeah, one, but it not. is interesting he, that if people either talk about not one or the other, like one as opposed to the other, yeah. but if they're not talking about one, they'll talk about the other. <laughs> and that's part of me thinks that's kind of cool yes. that you've narrowed the market to that Oh, extent. isn't that fantastic? Yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> Seth Rogen was doing a panel at Comic-Con a couple of years ago for a Green Hornet, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and somebody was asking him about 
uh, it was one of the questions came up about something else he was playing uh, some superhero or an, another comic book genre film and he said yeah that he's he's been taking classes from Andy Serkis and Doug Jones hmm. he said that from the podium in yeah. Hall H which I thought <laughs> oh my gosh from Seth Rogen's mouth I think I think I've arrived you know if I'm being <laughs> couple in the, in that coupling from his mouth that's great but um Andy's a sweetheart of a guy and we finally met in person you know we we've been talked about with each by each other we we've been talked about to each wait okay I'm gonna, what's the word journalists have asked him about me and me okay. about him for years maybe 10 of them mm-hmm. and um so uh we finally were looking forward to working together when the hava was being made and uh, was being in pre-production when Guillermo del Toro was was on board to, to oh, yeah. direct you know, which you know, two or three years it, it was in pre-production uh, it kept getting postponed and then Guillermo del Toro took him off himself off the picture and when that happened, I was also taken off the picture. Uh, mm-hmm. I was never really officially on it, but we, you know, he was designing a character for me, and it went back to Peter Jackson's hands. And so they ended up casting whatever they were going to do with me locally in in, uh, in New Zealand with a Kiwi, which yeah. is fine. Uh, but uh, so uh, so I did. I, so Andy and I were in in interviews we were doing for various projects. We're talking about the upcoming Hobbit. No, wouldn't that be great? We can't wait to yeah. meet and work together finally after all these years. Ah, and then didn't happen. It's like oh. So uh, when the day comes, it'll be like heat. You're right. That yeah. coffee shop scene with Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. It'll be on opposite sides of the right. fantasy law or whatever. No, let me tell you how it went. When we okay. finally when we finally Absolutely. did meet, it was Comic Con of 2012. And uh, I was at an after party for Gentle Giant. The company Gentle Giant uh, and Weta were co-hosting co- a uh, an after party that I was at. And I'm talking to some people. And, and one of the young ladies in the circle of people I was talking to was getting all nervous and looking over my shoulder and saying, Oh, my gosh, I just don't know what I'm going to say to Andy Serkis. And I said, Why would you have to? He's not here, is he? <laughs> I mean, he, isn't he in England or... New Zealand or something like that. Was it just a, maybe it was just a general concern that she yeah had. that she had exactly right yeah one day every day she wakes up what am I if right, I see in right. a circus so, today I mean, so me questioning this she goes oh no he's here he's right behind you I'm like <gasps> what so I turn around and there of course was Andy Circus talking to some some people so I went and stood behind his shoulder uh, because the, and and he finished up and he said goodbye to these nice folks he turned I tapped him on the on the arm and I said Andy uh, Doug Jones. <laughs> he threw his head back, put his arms out, <laughs> and came in for the most giggly, long hug I have ever had from another human being. It must have lasted five minutes where we kept hugging and giggling and rocking back and forth, and we would part, look at each other, and then, ah, ha, 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 and laugh and hug again. <laughs> this went on without dialogue for minutes. I'm serious. It was, like, no. absolutely amazing. So that was the perfect way to meet him because we'd both been talked about so much to each other that it was just like high time that we meet and it was just a giggle hug fest. He's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful fellow. I would have assumed that you had met long before that. I know. I, I, I think like when I listened to the episode that you were on before when I wasn't here, mm-hmm. um, uh, I got the impression that sort of like like cartoon voice actors, like mm-hmm. all the people who do what run you together, do kind of know each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, so I would have thought that because uh, I know you mentioned. Well, I know uh, Camden Toy was one of the yes, uh, gentlemen. gentlemen. We've kept in touch, and they were good friends. And Brian Steele, who does a lot of creature acting uh, in the Del Toro films as well. Douglas Tate, uh, Derek Mears. Um, you know, the list goes on. We we all do know each other, yeah. but we're all American. So uh, you yeah, see what I'm saying. Camden Toy was also, I forget his name, but in another Buffy, another Buffy episode called he, Same Time, Same Place. Yes, he played, the, he played a character named Narl. That's right. And he played, uh, an, I'm going to say Uber Vamp. Yes, he was. Uh, uh, Uber, in yeah. something, and he was, and he was also the um, 
uh, Teller of Lies or something in a, in an Angel episode as well. Oh, right, right, yes. Does that yes. sound right? Okay. Prince of Lies. Prince yeah. of Lies. There you go, there you go, uh, there you go. Yeah, in Same Time, Same Place, he's a character who paralyzes people and then eats strips That's of skin gnarl. off their, That's off gnarl, their belly which is one of the oh, most, they're still alive one of the most terrifying performances I have ever <laughs> yeah. seen. No, Camden is my hero, and he's like one of my favorite actors I've ever watched. I love him. David, you keep wanting me to watch this show, and then every time no, you tell me... No, it is me, brilliant. It is good. I'm it sure is. I'm sure it is. And, you know, I watch Hannibal, and that's one of the worst, okay. most horrifying things. Um, so I want to I get to... Because uh, one of the things that I was eager to ask you, um, as somebody who can talk about makeup from the literally from the inside out (laughs) (laughs) i really wish i didn't come in makeup especially one that didn't allow him to talk um but uh do you ever because and you've already mentioned the idea of like you've done this enough you've acted Mm -hmm. inside makeup enough one way or another Mm -hmm. to know Okay, the the head this you know this head is very large. So if I make a slight movement, it will register as big. Like you know enough to see that. Have you ever seen a performance by, um, you know, by an actor who is not used to this sort of thing, and it's clear they mm. are not used to this? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, you know. And I'm it, not asking you to burn any. No, no, of course I'm not. Gonna, no yeah. names will be named, but okay. but uh, but yes, I have seen. Some movies where an actor maybe makes a transformation from being their their famous yeah. faced self into some kind of a hybrid or something, and a, a common mistake that most actors make who have not worn this kind of thing before is thinking that that once it's on you, they look in the mirror and go, "Oh my gosh, the design's amazing, the colors mm-hmm. are great, the shapes are there." It's like ah, and then they get on on camera and are stiff and yeah. stiff in the shoulder, stiff in the elbow, stiff in the neck, and don't and don't push their way through all the constrictions that they're feeling. Yeah. Those constrictions make you make you feel like oh. Okay, I'm in a cast, and I'm you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm you know, like like you like if you break your arm, uh, so you kind of hold still and think that that this look is going to do all the acting for you, and it really doesn't. You really need to push an extra something through it. That's the common mistake I've seen more than anything, more than overdoing it for sure. The the biggest example that I can think of, and I do have the freedom to use names, um, <laughs> is that. Uh, and you know what? Here's the thing: I think Hayden Christensen is a very good actor. Fantastic, yeah. But okay, w- at the end of Revenge of the Sith, when they threw him in the Darth Vader costume, and he, and you know, by his own account, he had like bulked up considerably so that he could fill it out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And some of it's the fact that he's still a smaller guy mm-hmm. in a bigger uh, costume. And uh, so I don't necessarily put the blame on him. I'm always, you know what? I'm always comfortable putting the blame on George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> Everyone is now. It are you? works out really well. <laughs> you're, you're pretty safe in doing yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, <laughs> but in that moment, like when you see him like burst out of that, off that bed or whatever and breaks his chains and you see him walk. Now, admittedly, the character is not that comfortable with it either. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I realized, wow, David Prowse who was the fi- the, the, mm-hmm. the physical Darth Vader? Darth Vader. Uh, it's like, oh, wow. He had it going on. He okay. Mm-hmm. You know what? Okay. It's just, <laughs> even even though at that by you know, even now when now that I've met you and I've talked to you about a number of these things, uh, I'm still surprised at the amount of physicality goes into into acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and I forget what was I watching. I will not be able to use names this time because I can't remember. But I was watching, <laughs> I was watching something where somebody wasn't even 
in a costume or makeup. I, they were in a costume, obviously. They weren't walking around naked. <laughs> naked. Um, you watching maybe, porn, are you? <laughs> maybe that would explain why they were so, they were so uncomfortable. Okay. Um, but the uh, but they clearly didn't know like what to do with their hands or their arms or anything. Yeah, it was yeah. a younger actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt kind of bad for them, but I just thought, man, can you imagine if you had put if you put this person later on in their life in a, in an uncomfortable costume mm-hmm. or a complex makeup or something like that, and they just wouldn't know what to do? And right. it's just, and I remember, you know, in in high school and stuff when I used to act, they said like you need to know how your character walks and why yes he walks like that, right? And what is he what's he doing with his hands? And you need to know what each one is gonna. Mm-hmm. And it's very rudimentary, but then of course, for somebody like yourself, it's it has to be complete, completely instinctive, but informed by, well, I know this about the character. I see the design here, and I know that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. Right, right, right. And it's just astounding. Um, and I've now gotten into talking about physicality instead of makeup. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but we've we've. T- uh... Yeah, I guess this this isn't about makeup, but this isn't a question for Doug. I guess they do work um, together. Sure, they sure they do. Sure they but do. Uh, my question for you, yeah, this has nothing to do with makeup. <laughs> well, we talked about <laughs> Alien and 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 Star Wars. Yeah. When you were younger, before you were doing this type of acting, mm-hmm. were you aware more than the average person of the fact that those were actors, or did you? Mm-hmm. In, nope. In I, retrospect, nope. So you were like all of us. <laughs> I was like all of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what, my my early inspirations want to be an actor were sitcoms and variety shows. So I, I wanted to be a goofy, tall, skinny white guy that was the goofy, like a funny next door neighbor or a, a wise cracking office mate. That's what I thought I was going to be. <laughs> the Ryan Styles, totally, or the or the Kramer or the, whatever. Yeah, I had no idea that that uh, that this was a career option for me. What I've ended up doing, um, but. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, early influences for me, though, uh, late night, uh, Friday night horror channel movie watching uh, as a kid was, you know, uh, uh, The Mummy with Boris Karloff. That was mm-hmm. one of my first horror films I ever saw with a monster in it. And then, of course, Frankenstein and then uh, Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney was like just, the, you know, <sighs> it went to my soul. So um, so I was aware that somebody had to do it. But you know those were those were old school, and I, I didn't really hadn't really made married that with it with the p- potential to do it today. So uh, so I, I learned I, I got learned up real fast when, <laughs> when creature effects makeup people saw that I'm a tall skinny guy. They can build upon me with makeups and and without getting too bulky. They can also hollow out parts of me with the, uh, make a design bigger on me and then hollow things out if it's a decayed hmm. zombie like thing with parts falling off of you. Uh, skinny guys are great for that. And I have a I have a small face, small bone structure, but I'm really tall, so they can really that that's a great shape, a good palette for them to, to create from. So so I've been told. I'm very yeah. excited. Oh, what do you got uh, about make? You mentioned oh good. You mentioned Lon Chaney, um, who did his own makeup. Yeah, crazy. Uh, right? I can't I recently, even imagine. I recently learned that Xander Berkeley does his own makeup huh. in movies. Apparently, like or on TV, when he was on the second season of Twenty Four, where he's dying of radiation poisoning over the course of the. Okay. Season. He Spoilers. Was, <laughs> yes, okay. Sorry. No. Uh, that's not how he dies. I so that's. Uh, oh, all right. Um, mm-hmm. He dies a different way. But um, <laughs> it's just an interesting character fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Something else gets him before the radiate. But he was doing his own makeup. Have you ever over years? Like, do you now? Do you know more? Do you know when someone maybe is doing something wrong? Oh well, I mean, I I I can tell. I can tell uh, when I have the hands of a seasoned, really good veteran makeup artist. 
on my face and I have, and I know when it's a novice. Like I can tell the difference by the touch and, and the confidence that comes with them. And the, uh, uh, make, makeup removal is another one that like, oh, oh that's, that's, that's part of the job folks. Uh, and, and, um, a novice may not, may not have the, the right, the gentle touch to get it off. I assume uh, it's like a bandaid. You just rip it rip off. Rip it off. And, yeah, <laughs> and then faster the better. Yeah. Everything's fine, right? <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No, no, no. But, uh, yeah, but, and I, I've only done my, my own makeup. I believe that, uh, in and uh, once i mean now if i'm playing a human i, I often uh, handle my own hair uh but uh, but i did my own makeup in a movie called stalled s t a l l e d stalled and uh it was uh, i was a, a countryfied hilljack living in alabama and some you know this small town and some kids from chicago came through in a van that were in a rock band and they got stranded there so it was this culture clash and so i was playing a little bit older than i was at the time was, we were filming back in the year 2000 so i was only 40 then and i was trying to play a 50 year old so i did a little, little little subtle aging on myself a little stubble I grew in myself, and and I, I reddened my eyes a little bit, and added shades and, and wrinkles where they weren't before. And so I, I thought I was very proud of myself for that, but that's the only time <laughs> I've ever really put makeup to face on myself. Do you now going back to what we talked about earlier, being that people are designing creatures with you in mind? You have a little bit of power. If there is a novice. You know they're doing something wrong. Do you feel comfortable oh, I'll speaking say. up? Oh, I, now I do. I it used to be, a, you know, when I was a young actor, and I was just like scared that, that I would get fired for whatever I did wrong. Uh, yeah, but but now it's like I'm. I, I do offer, uh, uh, you know, since I, I'll see a problem coming, and I'll be, you know, if you're going to do that, maybe we should do this first. Those kind of things come up all the time. Yeah, or or. Uh, oftentimes, to speed up the process, they'll have two makeup artists working on me for two, uh, to, that are gluing down both halves of the face separately from each other. One has their right side, one has the left. If they're not watching each other, the level of eyes can be, be <laughs> go off, go funny, or you know, one side can be pulling funny, and the other one, you know, up one's pulling up, one's pulling down. So I'll remind them uh, if you guys would look in the mirror right now, and, and I want to point something out, I'll do that often. Yes, <laughs> Where I say, can we can we lift this one up and put it back down so it matches this side? I think that's the preferred. Look, I think we're here. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I do, but I'm not sassy about it, and I'm, I'm certainly, I don't fancy myself a makeup artist. Uh, but I, uh, but I, uh, you know, but the final look, if 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 something's goofy, it's going to come back on me. So I, I do, I do like to speak up a little bit. Do you myself. think? Um, do you think a, a a a new makeup artist gets nervous knowing, like, the first day? You know like, what? it's funny. Like, <laughs> like, like, like a chef, like. Yeah, uh, like you own a restaurant and David Chang comes in or something, and you're like, <laughs> right, right. "Yeah, do you think they get nervous?" Yeah, I've been told they do. It was, I don't think it's which is precious and charming. It is, you know, when a, when a makeup artist says, "Oh, wait, I've got Doug Jones coming," uh, you know, to me, I'm just I'm just a, a hack actor that like you know is, is honored to wear whatever design I'm given. Uh, but but to them, you know, I you know, they, uh, my name gets tossed around makeup schools where they learned how to do this kind of thing, like as an example of one who wears a lot of it. So. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of these young people in the makeup industry tell me that you know that they have been watching me and hearing about me and learning from from the makeups I've worn uh, for years and years and years. So I've I've been attached to you know a legacy that that they have learned from. So that's why when I did guest on guest judge on the Face Off episode I did this past season. Um, Mackenzie Westmore, the host of the show, was saying, and now for our special guest this time, uh, uh, he's he's known as as Hollywood's premier creature actor. That's all she said. And there was a, <gasps> a gasp among all the kids that were all the contestants. <laughs> and I was hiding behind a tree. We're out in the jungle somewhere, you know, for the this setup of the challenge. 
And I'm like, they, I was hiding behind this tree thinking they can't possibly know who I am from that little bit of an introduction. And I step out from behind the tree and please welcome Doug Jones. And they were like going, yes, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that really, really touched my heart. And in a very warm and fuzzy way, you know. And no, no one said, oh, I thought it was going to be Andy Serkis. Exactly. exactly. No, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, uh, who are some makeup artists working today that you've worked with and that you, and maybe even some that you haven't worked with, but you see their stuff and you say, or you've had it put on you, mm-hmm. and you say, this is about as good as it can get. Right, right, right. The, the best makeup artists I've, that I've worked with would include Tom Flouts. Uh, he he would be the the key makeup artist uh, who was assisted by Simon Weber in Hellboy One, making my Abe Sapien uh, come about, and he also uh, uh, worked in con- and, and Hellboy Two as well, including the the Angel of Death character that I that I mm-hmm. portrayed in Hellboy Two. That was applied by by him. Uh, now and of course it takes a village because the the uh, the artist who who mold the pieces and sculpt the pieces that, that become the shapes that I'm wearing, that's somebody else back at the shop, too. So, I, so it, it is a multi-step process and a, and a whole family that it takes to get this on you. But, uh, but the makeup artists that actually apply the pieces and get the, get the colors to match, and um, that would be, yeah, Tom Flouts is genius. And he was, he was nominated for an Oscar along with Mike Elizalde from the same shop. For he, Mike did uh, Hellboy's makeup, uh, Ron mm. Perlman's makeup. And the two of them together applied my Silver Surfer makeup, hmm. so they were they were both uh, nominated for uh, best best makeup uh, for an Oscar in in two thousand nine for the for uh, Hellboy two. And my other my other favorite team is uh, David Marty and Monse Ribe, the Spanish team from Barcelona that did the Pan's Labyrinth movie, mm-hmm. and they did indeed win the Oscar for best makeup that year. Yeah, um, the, what they did with the the fawn and the pale man were just superb. Superb makeups. Now they also they designed and applied, so that was all under one roof for them. And um, you know the, the sculptors were uh, just, be- just beautiful. Oh gosh, gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> and I've also worked. Uh, I, I've worn Stan Winston designs. I've, I've worn Greg Canham, all, all Oscar winning people. The yeah, Rick Baker. Mm-hmm. I've, I worked at all their I've, uh, for all their shops. Uh, I've worn things designs from all of them. And and you, and you know you know the difference when you when you're doing that versus you know a hack that comes from from a garage somewhere. But some garage uh, makeup sh- uh, shops are really doing great work. They just don't have the budget yet, or they're or they're new and starting out. But yeah. you. It's like it's like an actor, you know. Yeah, you, you don't have to have a resume full of years of credits to be a good actor. You you can be one of those coming out of the gates people who's like just amazing, you know, that's got raw talent. And so there's that that applies to the makeup uh, field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the last uh, few minutes of uh, the episode, I did want to get into just a handful of movies that I feel that I feel. And you can weigh in on. And David, I guess you can talk if you want. Um, well, that's because I was going to ask you the flip side of the question. I know I'm stepping on your thing again, but the mm-hmm. question of whether or not you noticed, um, you know, uh, makeup or creature performance or anything before you did that. Do you n- now, what are the movies, like older movies, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Lon Chaney, mm-hmm. what are the older movies now that you're aware right. that you go back and look and you're mm-hmm. impressed mm-hmm. by that kind of work? Uh, I... I loved uh, what uh, uh, Tim Curry did with Legend, hmm. uh, with that the the uh, the big demony, big yeah. horned, <laughs> and he, and he oh gosh he was so expressive in that and it was, it was a beautiful beautiful performance. Um, uh, again, and Andy Circus, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say him uh, what what he does. Oh my gosh, what he did with uh, uh, with King Kong was. Oh, balls, and uh, and and what he and of course Gollum is is the obvious, but um, and then of course Planet of the Apes now too. Yeah, uh, he did really good work in that. 
and and I'm gonna I'm gonna lump him. I'm gonna put him in there because um, uh, he 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 gives a performance and his makeup is applied afterward digitally as opposed to beforehand. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really it still is a makeup job and it still is an acting job. Um, and and he'll contend. He, I've heard him interviewed saying the same thing that he that he and I are very similar. That just our makeup goes on at different times. And that's all the difference. So um, I'm actually going to put him in absolutely put him in in the, in the best of category for sure. That reminds me. I, I know. I whenever I bring up the fact that I worked on Beowulf, which actually doesn't come up that often, yeah. but I kind of make fun of it a little mm-hmm. bit. But I will say, um, being on set in the motion capture volume and seeing Crispin Glover do uh, mm-hmm. Grendel was really impressive. Oh, he, yeah, he's insane. And, and, yeah. and in a beautiful way that, that makes the best actors are, are nutcases. And yeah. I, I love him. Love him. Yeah. He, he can, he can play the nuts really well. <laughs> can't he? Um, yeah. And as far as, uh, performances that just really seem to be informed by the makeup and also add to the makeup, mm-hmm. um, I think, and I think maybe this is my best, perf- my favorite performance of Jeff Goldblum's, which is in The Fly. The Fly. He was brilliant in that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that one best makeup, and it deserved yeah, to. It I should mean, have, yeah. Especially because there's just so many stages. Mm, right, exactly. Of, I guess you could say decay, but just metamorphosis, quite literally. Right, and, right, right. And the way that he plays it, where, I mean, emotionally, he's playing a certain degree of, like, despair, but also a weird mix of invigoration, because he's a scientist, and he wants to know where this is going. And with newfound strength and yeah. all kinds of things, yeah. But also fear, and so sure. when, of course, the the big line of the the old fly was "Help me," and so they have him say "Help me," but of course he says it very quietly to Gina Davis, and it's just, mm-hmm. and so he's conveying all this through the makeup, right? But then also realizing, okay, what stage am I in right now? Okay, am I in pain? Right. I think I probably would be. There's stuff happening. In, like at this point, I realize my body is just sort of the creaking and transforming and yeah, moving around. That's going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. My body is basically acting as the cocoon yeah, right. for what's happening inside. inside. And so it seems like that'd be pretty painful. So I'm going to play that. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's such a one. And of course, he also is becoming like a fly. So he has to be kind of herky jerky in his movement. It's yes, just, yes, no, he, his it's movement just was astounding. brilliant, brilliant physicality he gave it. Yes. Um, and then another one, uh, John Hurt and the Elephant Man. That's a, that's that was like top, one of the top of my list. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's, that's rough because it's not merely that the character, uh, he's not fantastical or anything. He literally has a physical infirmity. Uh-huh, right. And that to me is just, uh, mm-hmm. And he really doesn't have a lot of his face Showing. to go with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have a little bit of his eye and his mouth, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. And the rest is like the really built-up thing. Yeah. And one thing that I like about that makeup, and I feel bad saying this, but is that the character is at times genuinely hard to look at. Yeah. Um, like there's a part where Which I means think, they're doing it right, I think. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like – I almost feel like if he wasn't hard to look at, they would be almost patronizing. If they mm-hmm. made him like, yes, 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 he's he's ugly, but he's the, he's a cute kind of ugly. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? There's um, action figures coming. We have to make him cute. Exactly. <laughs> like I mean, like I, when uh, on the Simpsons, when Mo was cast in the soap opera, and the the producer says, "I meant TV ugly, not ugly." And it's it's not unlike. I mean, you mentioned Lon Chaney. Yeah. I mean, he's one of many to play the hunchback hunchback of notre dame mm-hmm. then you watch the disney film which by the way i think is a very good movie mm-hmm. but of course they can't design the hunchback to look like really yeah and so there's like all right we'll just we'll hunch him over a little bit and we'll make one eye a little off right, and, right, right. Uh, i think we're good right, um, right. one thing 
before we move on from John Hurt, something mm-hmm. that we hadn't talked about yet that I would like to get your input on because I think you've got a lot of this is how much uh, just voice acting is mm-hmm. important when you're under that much because I think a lot of the character of uh, I forget if his name is John or Joseph in John Elf Merrick. Man. Okay, because I think it's Joseph Merrick in real I, life, and I don't know why. Oh that is. damn! <laughs> it's, I it's, think you're right, but now way. I don't remember which one. Whatever it is in real life, they changed it for some reason for mm-hmm. the stage play, and that carried over to the uh, movie. To the movie. Yeah. But anyway, um, a lot of that character is just in the way that he he just the way that he speaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what what is your experience with that other than the you know what happened with Hellboy One, which is. Sad. Old, yeah, old, 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 sad news. But, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, when you're ta- when you're taking on a, a character, you're taking on all of them, and um, uh, and when when you're given a fantastical look, sometimes your voice has to match that look. Uh, where if you're talking like, "Hey, dude, what's up?" That's not going to look like this. You know, this winged, uh, multi-eyed, fanged creature that you're wearing, for instance. So, so you want to come up with a sound that that looks like. I mean, I, I think you know, you've, we've seen people that like if you see a very tall, broad-shouldered, muscly man walk in the room and he says, "Hey, guys, what's up?" <laughs> it doesn't match, right? <laughs> So, uh, so you really, I think you want your creature to do the same thing. You walk in the room and actually have the right sound that comes out of, out of that look. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Uh, that's why those best performances are going to be like a John Hurt or a Jeff Goldblum or a, or a Tim Curry who really affected a sound as well as, uh, as their physicality. John Hurt also, by the way, we, we worked together on Hellboy uh, 1 and 2. He oh, was, right, he was yeah. Professor Broom. Right. And of course, I was my makeup job on that film was the longest of anybody, um, about seven hours or, or anywhere between five and seven, depending on how much skin was showing that day. John Hurt was very sweet to always say, "Well, you know, when I was the Elephant Man." <laughs> <laughs> so he was kind of doing the "Yeah, brother, I've been there" kind of thing, which was very sweet, very sweet of him. That's neat. That's you know what? It didn't even really occur to me that oh yeah, he would have mm-hmm. oh he had su- stories such a he had different. Stories. Such a different tone in yes, the movies, yes. but still a lot of work. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and then uh, some of the others. Um, a movie that I have not seen since I was a kid, but it really affected me, and I believe it won Best Makeup that year, was Mask. Mask. With yes. uh, Eric Stoltz, Eric right? Stoltz, right. Yeah. And, that's, and that goes to what we were talking about, where... The, I forget what... Does that character have the same thing that the Elephant Man had? Like a certain kind of... Or maybe not. I don't remember the, exactly. I, I, it seemed like that that kind of a yeah, thing, yeah. like a gigantism or, or, or whatever it was, like a thyroid um, problem or something where yeah. your, your bones don't don't stop. Or and that's the thing. Like in that instance, the makeup needs to be defined by its restraint. With the Elephant Man, it needs to be believable, mm-hmm. but you can kind of do a number of things with it. Whereas this, this is a guy who is going to college. And has a kind of a normal personality, but he just has this thing going on with his face. And so mm-hmm. if you overplay it, then it almost looks like what I think what, what you were talking about, which is, hey, look at all the, look at this awesome makeup we did. Right, no, we yeah. really went to town with it. <laughs> this guy's hideous. Yeah, like, right, right, they're not right, doing right. that. They're they're making it seem like something you could run across in, in everyday mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And and his performance I thought was really, really heartbreaking. Even lovely. as a, like I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember even as a kid, I'm like I feel so bad for this guy. I know, who's right? Ten years older than I am. I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, and then I'm trying to think of a handful. Of, now, is uh, uh, Michael Rooker and Slither on your on your list? Did no. You ever see Slither? Oh yes, and he was brilliant in that yeah. when he when he transformed yeah, and became a like a, a room sized blubberly thingly thing that he was. Yeah. He was brilliant in that. Yes, but just his face showing, he couldn't do much physical. Yeah. yeah. 
But but talk about acting with your eyes, no matter what's on your on your person. It, he did a great job, and he had the eyes of Michael Rooker, which right. are not very sympathetic anyway. Okay, <laughs> and yet and yet I felt horrible for the man. Oh yeah, poor yeah. poor fella. Um, man, now I feel bad that I forgot Michael. Damn it. That's yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Well, that's two why there's us. two of us. <laughs> I, I, I'll also introduce Jim Carrey into the mix with, oh, sure. with, uh, with, uh, the mask, mm-hmm. uh, which he was so, and to talk about not doing subtleties, but overdoing it, but it yeah. totally needed to happen and worked it's beautifully. And also with the Grinch, uh, mm-hmm. uh when he played, uh, I thought he did a brilliant job with that, you know, uh, again, but he's, he started being a very physical actor anyway, and, and he understands the head to toe process of mm-hmm. emoting. So, uh, so he's he's a perfect person to have a makeup on. And then he was in Lemony Snicket, right? Lemony Snicket, yes. And uh, and I remember I don't remember the name of that character. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, uh, either, yeah. uh, it sounds like Olaf or Orlock or something uh-huh. like. Oh, that's a different one. Oh, that's hey, that's good makeup. Yeah, from the original Nosferatu um, and uh, Max Shrek. Which and it's odd that I think of that now when I specifically wrote Shadow of the Vampire. Uh, mm-hmm. On my phone, mm-hmm. uh, Willem Dafoe in that same makeup, mm-hmm. and he kind of has w- some of the stuff that you're talking about. Like he had like elongated fingers, and so everything, and yeah. long nails on top of that. Like so everything, it, it, like he does more finger acting than I think yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. a hundred actors before him. Yeah. Um, and I think he's, and that's amazing because, you know, when you sh- when you watch Nosferatu. Mm. The graininess of the Beautiful. film covers a lot but, of it, yeah. and it looks—he looks like a genuinely otherworldly Absolutely. character. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Shadow yeah. the Vampire needs to seem like this guy actually exists, mm-hmm. and you see like some like veins on his on his mm-hmm. head and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just beautiful. And I remember that came out. <clears throat> that came out the same year as the Grinch, and the Grinch wound up winning makeup as is not surprising when it's Rick Baker, of who's course. won. Several at this And point. when your makeup is on a famous person like a Jim Carrey. Admittedly, right, yes. Exactly, right. Um, but I remember, maybe just because there's part of me that it, like roots for the little guy. Yeah, of course. Part of me is like, oh, it'd be neat if Shadow the Vampire won. I know <laughs> that it made like two bucks in the theater. I know, I know, But, I know. Uh, but maybe. Oh, yeah, I guess It's such not. brilliant work, though. Yeah. But Rick Baker, like, you know, he earns his money. Yeah. I'm not going to, just because <laughs> he's won be. a lot of Oscars doesn't mean he, you know. He did, I think he probably earns all of them. I think he earns them. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, speaking of, of other movies and a list of them, I forgot that I did this. I did like a Doug Jones's ten favorite uh, performances in makeups that were not his own. Oh, all right. Uh, on on Ranker dot com, if you've heard of that. Okay. Ranker dot com. Do a search for Doug Jones, and I think you'll, that list should come up still. I, I, I did it a few years ago, but can you, can you remember what was I, on? That's that? what I'm trying to remember. I know. <laughs> uh, now, Ranker, now, is this like the Rancor from, uh, no. is it a website it's devoted a, to that? No, silly. Okay. It's, a, it's like like a, a ranking system. Oh, okay. R-A-N-K-E-R. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the word Rancor is an actual word. It's Ranker. Ranker. So it's, we're all going in and we're ranking. We're ranking. We are rankers. Exactly, exactly. Got it. Right. Wow. That didn't even occur to me. No. I assumed it, I didn't think it was the uh, Return of the Jedi character, but nonetheless, aren't you a silly? So I did have a question. I didn't. Uh, the Dissolve had a really interesting. Was it the Dissolve or AV Club? I don't remember. I feel bad that I get those mixed up. But um, they were talking about best makeup this last year, and they said a movie that should have been nominated and wasn't was Prisoners, which I didn't see. I didn't did you saw it? Right, I saw it. Yeah, and they specifically mentioned the. Uh, 
Paul Dano, his character gets the just the crap just beaten out of him. Yeah. And he is just swollen and red and mm-hmm. awful. I mean, he looks unrecognizable. And they said, but it's a certain type. Like, this guy, it looks like gen- genuine wounds. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a movie that takes place in any kind of... Well, I mean, I know that you're not a huge fan of it. So maybe plot-wise, it does take place in something of a fantasy world. But ostensibly, it takes place in our world. And all of those wounds, they need to be absolutely extreme so that we're like, oh, my gosh, this is insane, right. but completely believable. Right. And they were really pushing for that and said if the Academy was really trying to embrace a different type of great makeup, mm-hmm. like if they were going – if they weren't only ever going with quantity over quality, which I don't think they actually do, yeah. but sometimes they do, um, then they would have nominated this. Now, I've not seen Prisoners, but I did see a photo – yeah. Of that, and admittedly, it looks like you can almost see like the face pulsing with br- uh, with bruises and uh, stuff. David, you saw the film, yeah. Do Do you feel like that, or yeah? I don't. I don't, I don't have much to add, but yeah, I agree. Okay. It's pretty impressive. Did you you saw? It? I did not see it. Oh, yeah, okay. it's it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to look at. Kind of like the Elephant mm-hmm. Man, like, yeah, because he's been turned into this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, I guess metaphorically, all of the angst of the Hugh Jackman character is manifested on Paul Dano's face. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to look at. You did not like prisoners, correct? It's yeah. It, it, I mean, it seems like I wish it had had some sort of catharsis at the end. It seems like it's like two and a half hours. that's really punishing. And I'm willing to sit through that if it comes to something <laughs> at the end. And at the end, it, it, was, it was just like, Oh, that was just, that was just very depressing. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> think there was much reason to put us through that. It's beautiful. Roger Deakins cinematography, like, yeah. I would have been okay with, speaking of Oscars, I would have been okay with Prisoners winning cinematography because it's so beautiful to look at. Mm. Yeah. Nobody could stop the gravity juggernaut, though. <laughs> but you know oh, what else right, no, um, totally. <laughs> Rick Baker did is Men in Black. Oh, yeah. Which also yes. has some fantastic stuff, including one that I don't necessarily know how much it counts, but Vincent D'Onofrio's car- uh, performance is an incredibly physical performance, and he yes. is transforming. And I guess there's a little bit of makeup that yeah. No, yeah. suggests a lot. Because sure. the idea is that he's an alien wearing the skin, wearing, of, wearing the skin of a human. Right, exactly. He's yeah. wearing an Edgar suit. Yeah, he, he totally <laughs> yeah. channeled all that, I yeah, think. It, yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic performance. Yeah, my, mind you, I was in him in Black Part 2 uh, oh, all right. in the post office scene. When, I hate uh, to say it, I didn't see it. No, no, right. that's fine. But not, not to worry. Not to worry. <laughs> I was a, uh, there were a few of us postal workers in the post office uh, that, that were revealed ourselves to be aliens. And so one by one, we took off our disguise. And they had me looking something like, like Joey Ramone from the Ramones, uh, and I kind of took off my sunglasses and wig, and that revealed that my the top of my head was kind of missing. So I was a tiny little little face with squinty eyes when when all this came off, and so they kind of re- they transformed the bottom of my face to look more like him, bigger lips and whatnot, and uh, yeah, it was a, quite a contraption. Yeah, yeah, Rick Baker, genius. Yeah, yes. it man, it just okay. It, we're still on topic as I say this. Mm-hmm. It astounds me the stuff that you have put that you've willingly put yourself through. <laughs> oh it just like I, I yeah. realize that this kind of kiss like kissing your ass a little bit, but it's yeah. just like people like people don't go into Hollywood in order to work really like yeah. work really hard in certain ways. Like they don't go into <laughs> to be made physically uncomfortable. Otherwise, they go work think in so. a line. You're right, um, right. <laughs> but like, but just the stuff that you put yourself through and. If I may, if I may say so, I think there's an inherent humility in devoting your career to, not devoting your career, but allowing your career to be sort of defined by like your your whole face not showing yeah. or something like yeah. that. And so, like, I don't know. I'd, I 
it's something that I've always, that even before you were on the show, I remember being like, man, that's something that takes a lot of <laughs> non-ego oh, to well, say, well, that's I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah. And so, um, have you found that list? I'm, I'm, no, curious. no, I, I know we have to wrap up, so I was, okay. I was actually looking up your IMDb to see if there was anything else that oh, I wanted to. I'll, I'll write up your gotcha. About. And gotcha. I, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm noticing looking at your IMDb that, uh, I guess, maybe, I don't know if it's more so recently or not, but uh, you mentioned Falling Skies. There's yeah. also The Neighbors. Oh, and, The Neighbors, where um, I've got Mike to play a, a human. Well, I was actually an alien posing as right. a human, but yes. <laughs> um, and now uh, you're credited, at least in the first episode of The Strain, I don't know if you're going to be in uh, more than one. IMDb has, a, has a, a little mistake there. I'm in the season finale of The Strain. Oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not in the first episode. So um, I, I'm, And I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a cameo that makes you go, oh, you'll see more of me perhaps, hopefully, in, oh, in season two. Uh, but I guess my, my question is, do you, do you find that you're doing more of this type of work on TV than you were earlier in your career? Now I am, yeah. I'm doing a lot more television now than I ever used to. I mean, Including with you, my own face. I did Sons of Anarchy with my own face. No, I did, yeah. uh, uh, oh, we did uh, Teen Wolf recent, last year, last season with my own face. Yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm really tickled pink that they're coming around for me, you know. But I guess uh, my specific question though about the TV thing is, you know, TV in this golden age in a way that with all the different networks, there's so yes. much like stratification and niche work. Yes. Is there more creature work on TV. Absolutely. There's way more sci-fi, fantasy genre television now than ever before. And I think that's why you'll see my TV credits upping so much because they're they're doing them, they're thinking of that box set. They're thinking of that, (laughs) that, uh, you know, season that you can buy in all in one chunk because people are binge watching now. They're going to Netflix and Hulu and whatnot and they're not waiting one week after another as much as they used to. Uh, so, so, you know, they're thinking like, you know, putting, putting like movie budgets into that box set of, of a TV series now and, uh, and beautiful work is coming out of it. I mean, people are really raving about television now more than I've ever heard before in my entire career. So, and you know, the, the show, probably my favorite show on TV, I mentioned earlier is uh, Hannibal, mm-hmm. which has a fair amount of, uh, fair amount of makeup as well. That is it does uh, have one terrifying. Re- repeat, it has one repeated creature who's a... Yeah, appears in nightmares. Yeah, he's referred to as the stag man, or sometimes as the windigo. Mm. But oh, it's nice! A mm. Tall man, completely nude, black skin, mm. yeah. and black antlers. Yeah, mm. and he looks—he looks like he's made of like metal or plastic or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's he, not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of wrinkles or human. <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. look like almost like a like a sheen. Uh, sheen, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Good for you. Um, <laughs> and then mm. also, just the and I get—I think this counts as, as makeup i have a hard time knowing like for example there's a there's a killer who uh, he kills a bunch of people and that's what they do sure and uh and he creates a human mural out of their corpses oh <laughs> you're welcome yeah thank you for that <laughs> um, and uh and what happens is he uh drugs them uh he, he kills them with these uh drugs that he injects into them uh one guy uh actually doesn't die because he was a because recovering was a, heroin addict and yeah. had a tolerance to the drugs. Yes. So he uh, wakes up with his skin sort of lacquered, and he's been sewn to the people around him in the mural. Oh, yes. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, wow. and he starts screaming, as you would. As I you think. would do. Uh, and he uh, tears himself free. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is a lot what it sounds Which like. Which yes. yeah. um, oh. And... And it's one of the. It's first off, that's the kind of performance nobody will ever will ever say. That's a great performance. Like 
that guy needs to register a level of pain that I'd venture to say no one, uh, none of us has, has ever going to experience. No, no, right, right, right. Um, but as he's ripping himself away, of course, like there's flesh and blood tearing. Up. I'm sorry for the, oh yeah, listeners. Come I wish you now. could see the expression on Doug's Let's face. Let's barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> but like, does that count as makeup? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, are right. you kidding I never, me? I never. I would that. absolutely. Right. Yeah, and so stuff like that where. Flesh is convincingly being ripped off totally, of somebody's totally. shoulder. Someone's got to make that happen, create yeah. it visually, sure. And it's just, mm-hmm. man, oh, man. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. That's the one I always go back to. But there's any number of things that, that was. Be... I mean, Hannibal has a lot of horrifying imagery. That yeah. one is, even by Hannibal standards, <laughs> is really, yeah, that's the dank, one that stands yeah. out to me. That oh. was the one that I watched most of with my hand in my mouth. Yeah. Oh, my God! <laughs> I believe I... I don't remember if I... I think I might have actually said it to no one. I was alone when I was watching this. I remember saying, like, this is on network television. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Admittedly, it's on 10, like 10, 10 p.m. p.m. on, on Friday. Yeah. yeah, right. But it's just like, this is, an H, this is not HBO. Right. This, this is TV. This is TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but nor is it FX or any of these other things. Like, this... If, if a kid is staying up late and just happens to flip on NBC, <laughs> he's going to see this guy ripping his skin off to get away from the human corpse mural. Okay. And it just, I'm sorry, it just astounds me. And so, like, that is a show that is, I can't speak highly enough about it, and partially is, it is unflinching. Mm-hmm. And so, it the makeup needs to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. we see, whether it be on the, like, a, a corpse, which is basically just, like, a prop where they're not necessarily making up a person, mm-hmm. like, an, an, a, a living actor. Um, but it all needs to have... It all needs to seem realistic, but also there's a heightened quality to the series in general. So it's not merely that they're showing violence or they're showing gore. They're showing, like, the essence of gore, if that's <laughs> not too academic an idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... So that's... So, Doug, yes. if, you, if you like good makeup and I you do. like being... Perpetually terrified Hannibal's and, the show. and horrified. Hannibal's okay. the show for you. It's a deal. <laughs> okay. Well, that got us off topic. Yeah. Sorry. How should we? We should. We should wrap this up. Any, fi- <laughs> any final thoughts on movie makeup? It's uh, great. <laughs> I'd, I'd say we're landing uh, pro. Okay. Not con. All right. Well, yeah, you can pro, find us. Pro not con. Exactly. Uh, speaking of cons, you can find us at Comic-Con this year. Yes, uh, I'll will be there be too. I Comic-Con? will be there. It's, I'm there every year, baby. So How many years has it been in a row? Uh, in a row now, let's see, oh, nine, oh, oh my first one was 06 uh, with, with ah, Guillermo so del Toro mine. promoting uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Nice. And then I didn't, I disappeared until 09 to, to promote Legion and uh, Angel of Death with Zoe Bell. And then uh, I came back in 10, 11, 12, 13, and now I'll be there for 14. All right. Have you, done, have you done WonderCon yet? Uh, I just was at WonderCon with the Falling Skies panel okay. a couple a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah Comic-Con is it's, it's too big now. There's, there's, I love there's, it. There's I love nothing going. like it in the world. I but know. It's, it's not too big for me. I love it. I still I love it, but it is one of those things. I find myself, and I think this is a good thing. But I I find that I am forced to go to like the smaller panels just because what choice do I have? I'm not going to stand in line for forty eight hours. But that's the difference between this is getting us off topic. The difference between between Comic Con and WonderCon is that WonderCon is still mostly about the panels on the floor, whereas Comic-Con is almost like a state of mind that settles over part it of is, San Diego. It, it, for is, five it days. is. It is. It's, it's a geek, geek. celebration yeah. that it, that draws people from around the world to yeah. come yeah. join in the party that is geekdom. Yeah. yeah. I, hey, like I, yeah. I feel like you could not even set foot inside the convention center and still say you've been to you, Comic-Con. You totally could. You totally could. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay, the, that's yes. off topic. You can find okay. us at battleshipretention.com. <laughs> you can email us, David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. I'm on Twitter at The Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other po- other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com. What's going on over there? Uh, our most recent episode is about uh, a little scene film that people can watch on Netflix. So go watch that and then go listen to the episode. Uh, it is Michael Winterbottom's The Trip. Okay. Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. It's a, a great movie, and uh, we had a good conversation out of it. And there's a sequel coming out. There is a sequel, yes. yes. My, uh, I think The Trip, uh, to, Italy? trip to Italy. Yeah. Um, my other podcast is the television uh, podcast called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. It's uh, season finale time, so this week we'll be talking about the season finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the season finale of Glee. So mm-hmm. uh, that's it. Hey, Watch This. You can find all of that at Battleship Pretension. Dot com. Doug, where can people find you when you work on the internet? Well, uh, if you if you type in actor Doug Jones, uh, searching on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you will come up with my pages. Um, I can't add friends, so but you hit the follow button. And if you find my Facebook fan page instead, hit the like button, whatever comes up. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and I'm active. I, I actively run all those myself. I just got the Instagram started recently, and I'm very excited about it. Actor Doug Jones. <laughs> yes, no punctuation. Actor Doug Jones. I take my own pictures. It's really fun. <laughs> it's what the kids are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All well, right. thank you so much for being here. This well, thank you for fun. having me. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Still sorry I couldn't be here five years ago when you, know, you guys did it the first time. Well, we, you know, we, it's never too late, as we've proven. Indeed. Let's not make yes. it another five okay. years. Okay. And uh, we'll see you in San Diego, I'm sure. In a couple months. All right. So thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 